fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try And welcome to episode number 38 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. We are paving your way to league championships. We are your lead blocker. We're the ones that are going to get you to fantasy paradise, to help you achieve fantasy nirvana, whatever you want to call it, whatever you're playing for, whether it's a trophy or a certificate or some other piece of crap that's important to you and nobody else, we're going to help you get there. Like I said, I'm Nat The Truth Jones. I'm with The Wolf. This is our Monday Stockwatch Roto Street Journal podcast. It's going to be a little shorter than the usual podcast, but there's a ton of info in there. Uh, Week four is in the books, except for the Monday night Broncos Chiefs game. We're going to tell you who are the risers, who are the fallers, who are some emerging penny stocks you might want to take a gamble on going into week five. Also, we're going to hit you with a quick injury report, although this is probably stuff you already know. But just in case you don't, we're going to hit you with it at the end of the podcast. Wolf, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, mostly other than the fact that I'm down to my arch nemesis rival Bailey in my main league. If Pat Mahomes goes off for about 50 tonight, which honestly is not impossible knowing yeah, this not guy. Uh, you know, unlikely, maybe. But if he goes off for 50 tonight, I'm officially going to buy a Pat Mahomes jersey uh, tomorrow morning. I will I will rock that every single Sunday. This guy is the man. If he can somehow pull this win out of his ass, I would be so fucking pumped. So we'll see. He's obviously been our boy so far this year, and this would just be new heroic heights. Uh, but yeah, like you mentioned, I'm just thrilled. Monday morning stock watch or Monday stock watch report. Thrilled to just bring you who's rising, who's falling, all this loaded up information package into a nice, neat thing. We have that written stock watch rotostreetjournal.com slash stock watch if you haven't seen it yet but now we want to kind of get the audio hit we want to get some video up there if you're not on our youtube channel we have a new uh roto joe's little brother actually working with us to cut up some video for this so going to be a fantastic kind of multimedia approach with this monday workflow we're excited to see how this goes yeah i'm pumped for that too i had a bad fantasy week wolf oh uh, no what happened i mean i was three and one in my four leagues all the first three weeks and uh well, one thing that happened is I went in on Thursday night. I went against Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, Robert Woods, and Stefan Diggs uh, mm. in one of the leagues. So that was pretty much it, a over. Is that the worst feeling too? It's like you know you're not you got nothing left for the whole. I mean, my, league. my team actually in that league did well, but I still lost by like four. Didn't matter. No, it didn't matter. It didn't no. matter at all. Um, the, oh. one, the one league I did whip some ass in is the RSJ league. I am really throttling the competition in that league. But other than that, um, if Emmanuel Sanders gets me 14 points tonight. I'll win in my hometown league, which is nice. possible. It's, it's PPR. It could happen. It but, should happen. I mean, it's the worst pass defense in the league, the Chiefs. It's going to be a shootout most likely the I way mean, Mahomes rolls. So, it, I, you know, anything can happen, but I would should. Make, I mean, like, I'm, keep, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'll put it that way. Uh, in that league, I mean, it's almost like I don't deserve to win. But I made the mistake, and all you parents out there uh, that are also fantasy football players, you know, learn from my mistake. I made the mistake of, of spending a lot of time with my kids in, in uh, the lead up to the four o'clock games and not mistake. really paying attention. Yeah, yeah, don't, you know, spending message. family time. No, on that's, a yeah, my buddy Johnny Good Times was giving me a hard time for the family time I spent. But <laughs> the, the net result of that is that I never checked uh, on Chris Carson and I left him in my lineup. Oh, so pain, yeah, pain. and that, and that's the one where I could, you know, like I need 14 points. You figure if I had just started, any, also Tariq Cohen was on my bench. 
So yeah. yeah. Oh, so God. I mean, you know, it, it's bad if I lose. I'll, I'll hate myself for it, but I still have and a fighting. And you deserve team. it at that point. I mean, I, I deserve on. it. The guy I'm playing uh, is probably the worst team in the league, but he actually put up pretty big numbers. He had Cooper Cup. Uh, yeah, that that's burned tough. The, yeah burned the hell out of me. Laying down that big white dick uh, on your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But luckily, he started <laughs> the Vikings defense also, which he which got him a cool negative nine. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that was nice. That uh, works out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'll let you know on Wednesday how I did. Keeping my fingers crossed. If I win that one, I'll go two and two. If I lose that one and three, which is a pretty brutal week for uh, a man such as myself. All right, we're going to get right into the Monday Stock Watch. We're going to start with the risers. We're going to hit you with four of them, uh, and then we're going to hit you with three fallers. We're going to hit you with a couple emerging stocks, then we're going to hit the injury report. There are more risers and, and more fallers on the website. Uh, go to Road Street Journal Stock Watch, right? I mean, it's right there yep. under the tab, right? It's actually jam-packed. Um, and we're going to start with risers. Corey Davis, flashing wide receiver one upside with Marcus Mariota returning to health. Um, he brought in 9 and 15 targets, 161 yards and a touchdown. And the Titans' week four win over the Eagles. The Titans now having beaten the Jags and the Eagles. Uh, I never saw this coming. I actually stopped paying attention to this game because I thought it was over. I don't take the Titans seriously at all. But Davis, uh, he looked okay. Absolutely. 9-15, 161 in a, the game winner touchdown. Just an absolute yeah. target hog. And that's what we expected coming in. You know, you look at our fancy stock formula. Individual talent has it in spades. Was the number four overall pick for a reason. Just dangerous and angry after the catch. I love how he plays in that sense. The usage has been there all year. His 33% target share actually leads the NFL right now in terms of uh, the target share. So he's been seeing the looks. It just was missing the surrounding talent with a banged up Mariota and Blaine Gabbert chucking him the rock. But Mariota certainly looked healthy this week going for 344 yards two tds on 43 attempts so he looks like he's at least back to 80 if not 90 if not 100 percent. he's playing much better and matt lafleur's downfield scheme can kind of finally click when he's got his quarterback at full arm strength and davis really genuinely emerged remember lafleur is from that shanahan tree where they love to pepper those x receivers with targets and who else do they have at this point to throw to delaney walker obviously season ender and then richard matthews has decided to not show up anymore so th- this is going to continue the volume will still be there and if Mariota can continue this play and build off of this I see Corey Davis is at least a high-end number two with definitely very real wide receiver one upside I respect your opinion I I don't buy into the Titans at all their running game has just been uh you know remember remember the days of the high hopes we had for exotic smash mouth Oh, man, it's been horrendous. But and that's another reason to like Davis. He was the only no, right. source of offense at this point. He is that engine of this attack. And I see it continuing. I really do. I'm, and okay. I, I, I will admit I have a little bit of owner's bias because I have him and I genuinely need him to explode. I have Adams in a pile of shit at mm. wide receiver after that. So if Corey Davis emerges, great. I actually benched him this week for fucking LaShawn McCoy. I will oh. never, ever, ever. I know. That's I know. almost as bad as me starting Chris Carson. It's so bad. It's gone <laughs> awful. It's going to cost me the week. I mean, that's five points to 26 uh, points. Yeah. Going to cost me a week, potentially, if Mahomes doesn't fucking whip it out. So, yeah, it hurts. But ultimately, I, I think it goes beyond just my owner bias. I'm very high on Corey Davis rest of the season. All right. Well, here's a guy that we've all at Rotary Street Journal been high on a lot. And we actually mentioned that I left him, this guy, riding the pine. Uh, after three pretty underwhelming weeks to start the season, Tariq Cohen busted out. Uh, in my PPR league I play in, I think he had 31. Uh, he rushed 13 times for 53, which is nice, a little over four yards a clip. Um, but he made his real damage in the passing game. He had, I want to say, eight targets, caught seven of them, 121 yards and a touchdown, um, and was just used everywhere. And how about this? He outsnapped Jordan Howard, I want to say, 20 to 11. Absolutely. So, yeah, out touching Jordan Howard by a fairly significant oh, yeah, margin. Yeah, out touching, right. 
Yeah, and, and outsnapping him too, though, was in more often. And the offense, I mean, what makes me real nervous for Jordan Howard, we're going to talk about later, this offense clearly exploded. Now, I know a lot of this has to do with the Bucks having maybe the worst pass defense in the league, if not history. They are just absolutely abysmal. So that is important to note. Still, though, this is finally that movable chess piece, that high-usage weapon that we were projecting all offseason. This was finally the Matt Nagy offense that we were so excited about and so excited about seeing Tariq Cohen see 15 to 20 touches. And look what he did when he finally got that. He hadn't seen eight any more than eight touches a game leading up into this. Yeah. And he finally gets that workload ratcheted up and absolutely explodes for those numbers you said. Looked great while doing it. Just clearly bought a lot more to the table than an 11-carry, 25-yard Jordan Howard. Uh, that, that's got to be very concerning. We're going to get to him later, but ultimately, Cohen, you got to feel a lot better about this. They have a bye in week five, but the way that whole team played, the versatility that he brought to the table, the receiving ability, and how much better this offense was because of it, you got to be feeling much, much better about Cohen moving forward and a whole lot more scared about Jordan Howard. Speaking of other guys, you got to feel a little bit better about than you did a week ago. Sony Michelle, he's emerging maybe as the clear cut lead running back in that muddled Patriots backfield, almost by default, but it looks like he. I mean, he had a definitely very strong game. Uh, James mm-hmm. White, of course, is producing points, but it's different. Uh, he's doing it in different ways. He had Michelle had 25 rushes, 112 yards, and a TD uh, in the win over the Dolphins. By the way, uh, you know, uh, just going to go out on a limb and say maybe the Patriots flexed a little bit on the Dolphins there. I mean, there were so many people that are like, I don't know, they're three and zero. Patriots right. are one and two. We'll see what happens. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, right. What do you think of Sony Michelle? His stock's gone way up. Absolutely. And we knew his stock was going to rise just in terms of sheer volume because of the Rex Burkhead going to the IR. This was expected that he's going to get more work. But what I was thrilled to see as a Patriots fan and fantasy owner was just how much better he looked this week. He's looked kind of sluggish, tentative, wasn't really hitting the hole, wasn't breaking tackles. And that was his whole calling card at at Georgia was the way he shoots up and runs just uphill, uh, downhill, just makes people miss. Very slippery, gets that Alvin Kamara light comparison coming out of the draft. Mm. And we had seen any of that until Sunday. Sunday, he was ripping through tacklers, showing that trademark vision, just getting up the field, following his blocks to perfection. I love the run lanes I saw uh, developing from this offensive line. They played an absolutely beastly game. We got to note, of course, that it was against the Dolphins. Their linebacking core is horrendous. Their front seven's banged up. So, I mean, we shouldn't go throwing this humongous party quite yet, but the 23 touches is amazing. He was clearly that lead early down back. And him and James White, as you mentioned, they kind of coexist very well because James White's so involved as a receiver who also exploded himself. Both backs, arrows are clearly much higher. It's always a muddied attack, but now with Burkhead removed, it's looking like it's going to be a two-down guy with very distinct roles. So both Patriots running backs flying up the boards, and Sony Michelle again, just flashing that talent we really were hoping to see. I'm thrilled about him moving forward. There's only one note that is semi-concerning was that he only played out of heavy sets. Uh, 23 of his 25 rush attempts came yeah. with a fullback or two or more tight ends. So it was clear rushing downs that this guy was in on. If the game flow kind of shifts, if we are are playing from behind let's say we're facing the Chiefs in a couple weeks and it's not as positive game flow maybe Sony does disappear a little bit but either way the way he showed it uh you know that talent that we were always hoping to see and the way this offense clicked because of it means only good things going forward for Sony Michelle a high-end RB2 if not low-end one I'd say moving forward all right Aaron Jones a guy that a lot of people kind of stashed in their draft they knew that uh, he was going to be missing I want to say the first three weeks of the season he's back uh, his big thing last year, he's explosive. He was a big play guy, much more than any of the other guys in the Packers' backfield. Um, he outplayed the other guys in the Packers' backfield. I mean, you'd have to say pretty substantially, right? 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's it's not even close how much better this guy is than the other guys, especially Jamal Williams, his main competition for early down carries. Jones racked up 82 total yards and a score on just 12 touches, looking great the entire time. Uh, more importantly, what I love to see is that his score came at the stripe where a lot of people expect Jamal Williams, the bigger guy, to get that work. It was Aaron Jones who capped off that drive, which I love to see. You look at their you know season-long output so far on just 17 carries so far because, again, Jones was suspended had that two-game absence, but 17 carries. He's racked up 170 yards or 107 yards, sorry, 6.3 yards a carry, one TD, yeah. forcing eight missed tackles. Williams, meanwhile, has taken 47 carries for 162 yards, so less than 60 yards more on over 30 more carries. 3.4 yards per carry for this guy. Zero touchdowns and exactly zero missed tackles. Anyone with eyeballs can see that Aaron Jones is bringing a whole different element to this offense. You got to imagine Mike. McCarthy at some point wakes up. I mean, he said time and time again, we want to go with a three-back committee. We It's a long season. We want to keep our guys healthy. But he did say over the summer, if one of them emerges as that full-time guy, then you have the ability to adjust to that. Obviously, Jones is bringing way more to the table. As I said, it's clear with anyone in the eyeballs, even Aaron Rodgers, his quarterback, praised the guy saying, you bring Jones back onto the field, you forget how kind of dynamic this guy is with his running style. Different type of runner than we've had, similar to Ryan Grant. I don't know if you remember him from yesteryear. Of course I remember him. I drafted him with my first pick in the draft one year, uh, right when you started working where I did, and I think he got hurt in either the first or second game. It ruined (laughs) my entire season. right. Yeah. yeah, that's what so, yes, I remember him. A folk hero for a while, though. Had some huge games, Ryan Grant did, for this Packers team. Uh, so th- that's some pretty hefty praise. And this guy's saying, Aaron Rodgers saying, Jones is even more elusive in the open field than Ryan, has slightly greater top-end speed. And I love this quote by Aaron Rodgers. Again, this came at the end of the game. We've got to find ways to get him the ball. Joe Philbin, his coordinator, praising his explosiveness after the game. I mean, everybody with eyes is, and everybody in his corner, Philbin, Rodgers, wants him to see more touches. It's just a matter of, Will Mike McCarthy wake up and actually give it to him? Might take a little bit longer, but he has a genuine RB1 upside with that talent he has. If this becomes a 20 to 25 touch guy, he would be unstoppable. So definitely well worth a huge stash and a huge riser on the season-long big board. Well, there can't be risers if there aren't fallers as well. Um, mm-hmm. And we are going to hit a couple of those. We alluded to one of these a minute ago when we were talking about Tariq Cohen. Uh, the Bears managed to throw up 48 points. You say, wow, <laughs> the Chicago Bears put up 48. I mean, that's crazy enough. Um, you figure Jordan Howard, probably a huge part of that. Well, you would be wrong. I think he had two and a half fantasy points. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as we talked about, out-snapped, out-touched by Tariq Cohen, like, a lot. Um, 11 rushes, 25 yards. Uh, pretty gross stat line, right? Pretty horrendous stat line. This is three straight weeks now that he has not topped two and a half yards per carry, looking very much like a plotter in this action. So maybe that's what led to this switch is Matt Nagy was just finally fed up that this guy has not been producing on on the volume that he's seeing. And it has got to be nerve wracking, especially when you look at this type of game script. These are the games when you drafted Jordan Howard that you were thinking he would dominate. The game script is huge lead. You bleed that clock and you ride out Jordan Howard to the end of the game you know he didn't get any volume even though they were up by over 30 points for more than 30 minutes of this game Jordan Howard still saw no volume so even in a perfect game script this guy faded into nothing and again has been very underwhelming on the field over these last few weeks you have to be very nervous as an owner the fact that Cohen severely outplayed him and the fact that this offense looked so much better with that added dynamic versatile threat in there it, you got to be very nervous about Howard now I, I don't think I'd go and just sell him right now because obviously this is rock bottom 
bottom. I don't think he has weeks this bad moving forward. Uh, but if somebody was still on the name value and trying to buy, I'm not a, I'm not opposed to moving him by any chance. Maybe toss out an owner, you know, a bid to his owner if they're on bye week and you're in a good spot and he's like willing to just shell him out for garbage. Okay, you know, maybe he can explode down the stretch and find, some, you know, the overall offensive explosion isn't a bad thing for him necessarily. But the fact that it happened with Tariq Cohen is bad. And moving forward, it could totally be Cohen's backfield. So, uh, Howard, definitely a big stock arrow down on that big board. Speaking of some sketchy running backs that I really never believed in, Leonard Fournette's hamstring injury mm. flares up. Questionable timeline. You know how I feel about hamstring injuries. Uh, I don't like them. Yeah. Uh, they tend to linger. Man, I don't know. The the Fournette situation bothers me greatly. Oh, yeah, as it should. It's nerve-wracking hamstrings linger. He's got the lingering foot injuries from college. I mean, this was the reason to hate Leonard Fournette, despite, you know, all the receiving work promises and the fact that he was looking very explosive in the preseason up until this point. Now he's got this thing that's going to potentially linger throughout the season. They're already saying that he's going to miss at least as much time as he missed uh, last time, which was two full games. So you're looking at another solid chunk of the season without your first round pick. Uh, It's brutal. It hurts. Hopefully you have Yeldon because Yeldon's looked very solid in fill in duty. He had two touchdowns this last year. He did. So, you know, that's another reason to hate uh, Fournette if you don't have Yeldon because they're not going to rush him back as long as this guy's playing well. Makes me regret remember how i told you how i could have had yeldon helped out a buddy this is the fantasy gods punishing me for being uh, you know unselfish as an owner never again but yeah this this really hurts fournette out of all the fallers you know howard's up there leonard fournette on the next season long big board is going to take a serious hit uh ultimately if you're four and oh and his owners you know one and three because they're really struggling he could still be a really big stretch run difference maker for those last you know nine to to ten weeks but there's very few owners out there with that flex ability right now to, to buy low on this guy if you have it I, i'd say go for it especially if you own yeldon and the, the fournette owner doesn't but right now you've got to be kind of hitting that panic button with Leonard fournette and taking what you can get so here's another guy our last faller and like i said there's more fallers you can check out on the website but lamar miller i mean if you think of one word to describe lamar miller what do you think bleh, is, if that's yeah. even a word i was gonna say bleh. i was gonna say meh yeah, just <laughs> so it's pretty similar. Meh. It rhymes. Like yeah. vanilla. <laughs> Rushed 15 times for 49 yards in the Texas Week 4 win over the Colts. If you saw Lamar Miller in a bar and he was a woman and you were trying to pick him up, what would what would what kind of look would that be? Uh, you know exactly what, he, what Lamar Miller would be. I want to know. <laughs> doesn't look I, I, bad at the bar. Like no. you're you're kind of like all right like i can get down with this it's uh-huh. going well everything seems fine on the outside solid seven or so but then you bring him back and it's just a dead fish of a performance leans back is you know not into it at all just doesn't help out you're just kind of like flopping around on this woman that just lay in there doing nothing just a horrible performance when all said and done you, you were excited to bring her back and you just cannot wait to get rid of her right by the time you don't want to you don't like want to call her again you don't want to be in that business oh god and you don't want to no, be in the lamar wanna... miller business either do you no, I, I, at this point, no. I mean, what else? He, he's already a little dinged up. He's in this you know, beautiful, perfect spot in this offense that is clearly ascending. It's good to see our, our number one quarterback, Deshaun Watson, finally playing up to his potential. Obviously, Will Fuller's injection has been a Hopkins huge help too. and huge boost. 
to this offense, uh, Hopkins reemerging as that dominant number one target hog who we love. Uh, but the fact that he's got all this weaponry around him, this offense putting up all these points, and he's seeing very consistent 15 to 20 carries a week and just doing nothing, 40 yards, 50 yards, complete bleh. I don't know when Donta Foreman's going to return, but I'm certainly putting him high on the radar, uh, especially if you have IR spots and he's sitting out there. This cannot be a Lamar Miller show come the end of the year. Uh, agree 100%. I don't even need to elaborate. All right, let's talk about some emerging penny stocks. We got two we're going to hit you with. Uh, and we entitled this one Nagy's Back. I mean, you know, we've been kind of on the Matt Nagy train for quite a while. Like, we've been <laughs> we big. We did a whole podcast on him and the Browns. I know. You know we, went, we went deep on that. Remember, we had a fishduck.com, man. We've been talking talking about how Nagy's going to use like some of these pieces that like a lot of people weren't talking about for a long time. So we're all and, in and on this podcast. Remember we talked about, I think the, the title of that podcast now is historic offensive turnarounds. The, the Browns have been putting up, you know, 28 to what do they have? 45 this week or something like that. So, I mean, they, yeah. they've been holding up their end of the bargain. We were waiting on the bears uh, and not to interrupt, continue no, no, your, no. your rant. No, please. I, you know, this is starting to look a lot better, which I was very nervous about. Yeah, we look smarter than the average uh, podcast hosts. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the bar is low, though. Anyway, uh, Nagy's <laughs> back. Mitch Trubisky and Taylor Gabriel. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Gina Thomas uh, talked up Taylor Gabriel to us years ago. Yeah. Uh, they lit it up amidst the Bears' ex- offensive explosion, and we should put as a disclaimer, except Jordan Howard. Yep. All right, talk Absolutely. to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. 48 points. You know, you got to be pumped about that. Mitch Trubisky, five touchdowns in the first half. We raved all summer about how this guy has a strong arm, uh, and Matt Nagy loves to go deep. Alex Smith leading the league in deep yardage last year, deep passer rating, all that good stuff. We thought it was going to be a perfect fit. And then Mitch Trubisky came, shit his pants, and only averaged five and a half yards per attempt for those first three weeks. Granted, they had a couple tough matchups. This is a very complex scheme. So if there's one takeaway from these early few weeks, that I want to make sure I have out there is we, these new offenses. It's there's always going to be growing pains, and I think you know we kind of overreact at times, saying Matt Nagy is going to blow it up and Matt Lafleur with the Titans. It takes it takes a couple of weeks for these players to really get up to game speed and, and get into that flow. But we saw it with Lafleur and Mariota this week. We saw it with Nagy too. So after that kind of growing pain period, maybe this is, it is the kind of launching point. Again, we talked about how bad the Bucks defense is. That played a huge role in this. Yeah, there's pretty- no no doubt about it. It's not like Mitch Trubisky is going to suddenly be this five, six touchdown guy week in and week out. But I do think that the chemistry is finally brewing. They're finally starting to connect. And Taylor Gabriel, as you mentioned, Gina Thompson had him on our radar for so long. Very dangerous screen receiver. That's how he scored both of his touchdowns in close. You got to love that usage. He's seen seven targets every single week. That was kind of the only negative about uh, Taylor Gabriel in his, his Atlanta thing is you never knew when he was going to see the usage. But it's been there every single week for him so far in Chicago with this offense finally clicking and more red zone chances he's one of my favorite waiver wire guys to look at this week all right here's another guy you might want to think about stashing if you're watching that uh, Browns game or even just following it online you might have noticed that Nick Chubb who I, I believe I was defamed on YouTube at one point for saying <laughs> I, was I wasn't into it. Why did you put him on the agenda? I, I don't know. I, I, I still don't remember exactly what I was called, but I, I think the word moron, moron and asswipe were in there in some uh, some configuration. Yeah, uh, anyway. No, it was, ass, it was asswipe. I'm it was sure. asswipe. Don't, don't, ass don't, okay. don't be stupid. It wasn't asswipe. <laughs> um, anyway, Nick Chubb, uh, had, on a very limited number of carries, broke two huge runs. What was his stat line for the game? It was ridiculous. Three three rushes for 105 yards and two touchdowns. Solid uh, so 35 yards a clip. 
Yeah, not bad at all. Obviously, two of two of his three carries going for scores is a pretty good percentage and ratio right there. Uh, so you got to be encouraged with the talent he's flashed. Now he is clearly still firmly behind Carlos Hyde. He was out touched twenty two to three, and this is more just one of those situations. You got to get a reminder: Hyde is very injury prone. Uh, he's never made it through a full season in his career. This is clearly a very valuable backfield spot. Hugh Jackson is a great power run game coordinator. Hyde's already racked up an NFL high uh, five touch. Touchdowns at this point, I believe. So he loves to hand it off when they're in close. Their power blocking is very on point right now. So if Chubb does emerge as that lead guy because Hyde goes down, he'll be a low-end RB1 if he's going to play like he did this week. So if and when the volume comes, maybe it's like a a Jeremy Hill of a couple years ago. It might take a little while for it to emerge, but he seems like a guy well worth stashing, especially if you have trash like fat Kelvin Benjamin to cut. I would say Nick Chubb is well worth a, a roster spot at this point and he's out there in over 20 percent you know only 19 percent owned going into sunday well worth the spot if this were a longer podcast i could riff for several minutes about kelvin benjamin but i won't <laughs> all right I was, I, I, I was wondering what you might say about him that's why i brought his name up i think he's awful anyway we're gonna go <laughs> injuries we're gonna do this pretty quick rapid fire uh, yep. ESPN's Adam Schefter, so you know it's true reports tyler Eifert suffered a broken ankle week four against the falcons Ugh. Devastating. You got to feel for the guy. I mean, obviously injury prone labels are thrown out, but some of these injuries he's suffered his back, his ankle. I mean, you just hate to see it. He's saying he's attacking with optimism and you got to respect the guy for having the the positive mindset around this. But man, I, I just feel so bad. You almost hope that he doesn't play another snap because his body is just getting destroyed week in and week out. Fantasy-wise, moving forward, I mean, he was ready to emerge back in that tight end one form, it looked like. He was playing really well, so it's unfortunate for fantasy owners. Uh, obviously, again, main concerns go out to him and his health, uh, but fantasy, you know, that that's definitely a, a concern for fantasy owners. Tyler Croft is pretty much unowned in leagues, as he should be, but he really stepped up last year when Eifert missed time. He's a big guy, Pretty athletic, could emerge as a, a real red zone threat for this offense that's very much clicking under Bill Lazor. And at such a thin position at tight end, I think Tyler Croft should be much higher owned uh, at the end of this week than he probably will be because his name is just so unsexy. Tyler Croft doesn't seem sexy at all, but definitely has some high upside with Eifert removed in the lineup. All right, Coach Frank Reich, and just as an aside, the worst coach in the history of the NFL. I don't know what if a, you saw. Well, I mean, I oh, oh my goodness what a fuck what up, a, and then he said afterwards like i'd do that 10 out of 10 times i was like well then Moron. you're then you're like a hundred times stupider than i even thought you were right, at the time exactly. and i thought oh my. anyway uh yes. that has nothing to do with the injury report but what a stupid move i mean the mm-hmm. texans might be able to credit this guy for saving their season i mean yeah. like they were gonna be zero and four and done and now they're one and three the guy was like oh i'm not playing to tie it's like no you're playing to lose <laughs> who Moron. the hell plays to lose Anyway, and it's like if they had made that, they still probably wouldn't have won the game. Like there was like they're like at the fifty fourth and five. Anyway, Frank Reich, yes, that Frank Reich said T. Y. Hilton uh, hamstring is unlikely to play Week Five against the Patriots. Of course, Frank Reich said it, so who the hell knows if it's true or not? Um, That's a big deal, though, kind of. Absolutely. I mean, it gives Andrew Luck a much damper, uh, hit-hard weapons cabinet right now. Jack Doyle, his second leading target of last year, is removed as well. So then what is his weapons? Rodgers and Ryan Grant and Eric Ebron and maybe Naeem Hines, who, granted, a guy we loved and then kind of went down on is starting to explode a little bit, Naeem Hines is. Uh, but nonetheless, Luck on, on Thursday night, despite his 464-yard explosion, a featured riser on the stock watch that you should check out. Uh, 
you can't be feeling good about rolling him out this week. Obviously, T.Y. Hilton, you got to have a replacement plan for. It's tough because he's playing well. He's fitting the scheme better than I thought he would, racking up some uh, serious yak type T.Y. Hilton is. Uh, but ultimately, have your backup plan. Maybe Ryan Grant is that option. He kind of leads the team in targets every time Hilton sits. But ultimately, you don't really want to trust any Colts, I'd say, going into Foxborough on a short week. The aforementioned Adam Schefter also reports that O.J. Howard is out two to four weeks with a sprained MCL. When it rains, it pours for the Bucks, huh? You going to go to your boy Cameron Brait now? Oh, disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, You know, it's Jameis Winston's boy. He's always put up decent numbers with Jameis Winston, who will be starting for them uh, when they come out of their bye. So uh, will I go back to Braid if I'm tight end desperate? I'd rather have Tyler Croft if that kind of gives you a measuring stick of the waiver wire tight ends. I think Croft will bring a lot more to the table. But Braid does have some decent upside while O.J. Howard is out. He scored a touchdown last week. He's always been, again, Winston's boy. So only 20% owned right now i hate to admit it because i he was the guy by the end of last season i we were talking about if there was one person you could just see in the middle of the street and huck a loogie on his face cameron Brait was yeah. it for me yours, part yours was cameron Brait. mine was eric decker right exactly just spit right in the face slap probably get your ass kicked after but still sure. his buck tooth stupid smile like, I, I hate cameron Brait. i do but as a fancy owner, you got to move past the hate sometimes, and I can see him being productive for these next couple weeks. <laughs> I was just thinking of us doing that to Cameron Brait and Eric Decker, respectively, and then Cameron Brait just pounding the living shit out of you, and Eric Decker just <laughs> whipping me with his dick on the ground, just repeatedly, <laughs> like, just, like, just like destroying me completely. <laughs> it's anyway. a bludgeon sledgehammer. <laughs> using, it as, using it as like a sledgehammer. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, uh, last but not least, uh, Texas co- Texans coach Bill O'Brien said Will Fuller's hamstring. Oh, geez. Hate that, especially with Fuller. Uh, his removal against the Colts was not precautionary that the team would, quote, see how it goes this week. No, thanks for the hot take, Bill. Uh, what are your thoughts on Will Fuller? It sucks. It's absolutely awful because, I mean, this guy is so dominant when he's on the field. His stat lines with when he's on the field with Watson are just insane. He's never not caught a touchdown from the guy, and he's a, a dominant wide receiver. One was averaging over 20 fantasy points a game, was fourth in the league at that. So it just sucks that he can't stay on the field. He has this history of soft tissue injuries. I don't know why it keeps happening to the guy. you got to figure out a way to manage these type of things. I mean, he clearly is not the type to play through it either. So it sucks. He's probably going to be out for the week. They're saying we'll see how it goes uh one guy you could add and i can't believe this guy was added in my league already before the week kiki Koti, i believe is the name had 70 yards i I have no idea who the fuck he is either but he had 70 yards and eight catches this week so i mean he could be an immediate flex play especially as these bye weeks start to hit for whatever games fuller misses so uh, especially on the cowboys not a great defense just got kind of bombed by stafford this last week maybe you give Cote a look he's zero percent owned other than somehow in the the league i'm in he's already picked up uh so kiki (laughs) Cote, the name to monitor but unfortunately will fuller just can't stay on the field all right you got any social media you want to pump up we're gonna go watch this monday night game I can't wait to go watch Pat Mahomes whip that long dick out. Uh, but yeah, of course, you can find us at Roto Street Journal on Facebook and Instagram. Those are the two big ones where we do a lot of our live shows, a lot of content churned out on both. But of course, the Twitter machine is always churning. Me personally, at Roto Street Wolf, and our main page, Roto ST Journal there. And we have Snapchats, if that's your, your main platform. I've, I've got a few people that still hit me up on Snapchat all the time. Roto Street Wolf there, uh, if that's your, your mode of communication, great. But more importantly, if 
if you like what you heard, we want this podcast to just continue growing. It's been great. We've gotten good support, uh, but it only is helped further by your reviews, your shares. We don't want to help out your competition. I get it, but we do want anybody else that you might not be facing to know about us. So please, if we're helping you out, consider sharing it out, helping this wolf pack grow, baby, because it's all about the strength of uh, the, the wolf pack is the strength of the wolf. So we need more of you guys out there. Join it in. Uh, subscribe review all that stuff means the world to us one other thing i just wanted to point out is uh the big event at fibber mcgee's coming up soon Dude, Street Journal so, event. so if you're in the area in the you know boston-ish north shore-ish area or you know anywhere within like a reasonable driving distance the wolf and uh cj are going to be there and some of the other uh rsj favorites i probably will not be able to make it i'm a little too far away but it's a good time from what I hear, and uh, it's a big it's deal. It's a wild time, dude. Yeah, it's and it's Monday off. It's Columbus Day weekend, oh, so right. it's timing up pretty damn perfectly. Maybe I should come. <laughs> Last year, you should get up there, man. Last year we did it. It was an absolute shit show. Uh, I've got a great crew of friends out here that support the show, and they like to get after it. And then a lot of random people found out about the show and were there, and we just had a, an absolute blast. So if you're a local guy in the North Shore and you like fantasy or you just like football, uh, we, we have a great time. you just want to get down. drunk. Or you just want to get drunk. I can guarantee you out of all three things, you will get drunk if you're partying with this crew. Good wings, too. The best of wings. Uh, I love Fibber's wings. Uh, garlic Parmesan and Buffalo for, to the face. You're going to have a great day. Watching Red Zone, watching Sunday Ticket. They got all the games. Come on down. It'll be a fantastic time. We'd love to see you there. All right. My name's Nat The Truth Jones. And I'm The Wolf. Packs out, baby. Good luck in, in week five. Old-fashioned football right there, folks.